Traveler, we are live from the apocalypse. Hi, hey, hello, welcome back to another episode of Academy H. My name is Will, and as always, I am your storyteller. This is the seventh episode of our Masks Actual Play podcast, which means that there are six other very excellent episodes that you can, and probably should if you want to understand what's going on, listen to first. Just like everything we do here at Live from the Apocalypse, this game benefits a nonprofit or an aid organization, in this case, the Surfrider Foundation. We pick beneficiaries and then set a goal of $2,000. Once we hit that goal, we vote to pick the next one, and so on and so forth. We are still very close to meeting our Surfrider Foundation goal, so that will be changing very soon. We also record the show live. You can catch us on Twitch every other Sunday at 6 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, recording two new episodes, which is also where the majority of our fundraising happens. And you can find all of that info, our full schedule, socials, and Discord community link at lfta.card, that's C-A-R-R-D dot C-O, or on our Twitch at twitch.tv slash live from the apocalypse. Please feel free to join us. We would love for you to be a part of our community. I think we're going to keep it short but sweet today. There is not a lot of housekeeping. So why don't we just go ahead and dive on into Academy H Lost and Found Part 4. first thing we hear is a low beeping. It's rhythmic, uninterrupted. Then the lights, harsh and fluorescent. As we open in a hospital room, there are two beds in this room, but only one of them is occupied by the small, fragile-looking frame of an unconscious Dr. Charles McManus Jr. There's a tube running around his head, feeding him oxygen a bag of fluids dripping into his arm. His eyes are closed as he is non-responsive. But the machine and its steady beeps tell us that he is alive. Though the machine tolls out a steady heartbeat, another machine shows a flat line of no brain activity. Though, even as we observe, that line begins to spike It begins to travel up and down the screen, and as it does so, Dr. McManus' eyes, still closed, but under the lids, start to move rapidly back and forth. His lips part, though what it is he is saying, we can't tell, because there is no sound emerging. He is only forming the shapes of words. His eyebrows draw together. And all of a sudden, the hospital room television switches on. It shows only snowy static. And then the picture begins to resolve. Alex, you do come out of your victory meditation. And you hear the door opening. You hear muffled conversation through the door. Of your bedroom. What do you do? Well, that wasn't at all 
what I wanted. Well, now I feel worse. <laughs> Let me go see what Bethel wants. Did you decide how you're going to shift your labels? I'm actually, I think, going to shift Savior down one. And I think I might actually bump Freak up one more. Okay. Because his overriding feeling about this that entire experience was, what in the absolute <laughs> fuck? What the fuck was that? I will also ask you, what do you think that memory from the TV was trying to tell you? An excellent question. Uh, well, Alex had a takeaway from it, and then that takeaway then got totally derailed by what happened next. But his broad takeaway was essentially that the future is always in motion. And inevitably, though he may feel conflicted about the decision, it is better to make a decision one way or the other and and deal with the consequences of it than to shrink away from making the decision at all. That is a takeaway. That is a takeaway. You leave your bedroom and you find your squad mates in the common room. Hey, guys. Sup? So. I made a promise that I was not going to investigate the glass and put the school at jeopardy. However, I said nothing about the fact that a powers building was being broken into, and that I fully intend to investigate. However, none of you have to help me with that if you don't want to. I am fully aware of the fact that I am asking, she nods at casts like you, with what you've just admitted to us. Literally last night, knowing that there is already kind of a tentative watch on you, I'm not going to ask you to do anything that might put you at risk. And you, Danny, are beholden to none. Your laws make no sense to me. (laughs) (laughs) So this is an official squad business because as far as it seems structurally, nobody has assigned us to do anything yet. So I'm not going to ask any of you to come with me. But I'm going to tell you that I'm going to do it. Unless anyone else has anything else they think is a better spend of time. I'm not opposed to being talked out of this. And Kaz, who dragged himself out of his room and has just kind of been standing there with his arms crossed, is just like, no, fuck that. Let's go. I'm good. Let's see what we find. Lyra will look at the other two and say, what do you think? I do not sincerely mind going deeper on this and I figured we have to get there somehow let me save you some money from the taxi and she will nod at that and she will look then to Alex and she's gonna say again I don't want to put the school in the tracks of this and therefore I don't want to put the squad in the tracks of this I'm not going to think poorly of you if you want to stay this involves you and if it involves you then it involves the squad. So, I'm in. The H stands for home, guys. Oh! (laughs) Alternatively, the H stands for havoc. Yes. (laughs) That I support. (laughs) We are ungovernable. No, she'll not, and she'll say, I told him that I don't want to put the school at odds with the people investigating this glass tower and everything else, but I have to know something. Even if all I find out is that they, whoever it was is gone, I have to know something. Well, we can't learn anything here. And with that, Danny will snap a finger and a big old portal will open outside of a powers <laughs> building. 
So technically, what Micah accidentally let slip was that it was a uh, it was a Powers Inc. holding facility. Mm-hmm. There's only one Powers building. Oh, I thought that's where they were taking the glass. Was the holding facility? They were taking the glass to the Interspec campus, which is called the Heraklion. We haven't really gotten there because you didn't trick Micah. You almost tricked Micah. Gotcha. I mixed them up. Okay. Okay. Next time. So you know that it was a Powers Inc. holding facility. You just don't know which one. Okay. Then Danny will open tiny portals to every holding facility and quickly poke his head into each one to see if there is a large amount of glass they maybe did not pick up. Like, I assume they got the big chunks, but I assume just removing the glass would look kind of like a... <laughs> just like whack-a-mole all over fucking... Yes, just quick pokes through real quick until he finds the correct one. I can't begin to think of what I would need you to roll to do that, but give me a second. I guess you're assessing the situation. I guess that is a mm-hmm. way to assess the situation. Just a, a hole appears in the sky and Danny's head pops in upside down. Nope, not this one. <laughs> nope. Next. Just a quick whack-a-mole situation. So roll with superior. Shit. <laughs> F- this, ah! <laughs> I got a four. Mark a potential, though. But nice. I hit five potential now, so <laughs> congratulations to Danny. Yeah. Congratulations to Danny, your first advance. Everybody's advancing. Um, they grow up so fast. <laughs> I don't roll enough. <laughs> That's fair. But whose fault is that? I don't know. We haven't fought nearly enough people. <laughs> Yet. Put me in conflict, sir. Put me in coach. Careful what you wish for. <laughs> All right. So. Pops his head out directly next to Micah and he's like, hey. <laughs> There's one possibility. So, yeah, you don't do it. I mean, you kind of do it. Technically, you do it. You open the portal and you stick your head through each of them in an attempt to try to spy into these holding facilities and see what you can find. You create your portal in the middle of your common area. And this is a small one, just big enough for you to stick your head through. You go to stick your head through it. This is probably something that you've done before, I imagine. And it is like walking into a brick wall. As a matter of fact, it feels exactly like that time Victory accidentally hit you with the door. Hmm. I am upset. As soon as I bump my head into it, then I just kind of instinctively shut the portal down. Okay. Basically, like you created your portal, but something was blocking you. Can I try it for another, a different facility and this time, like cautiously, like put my hand into it and see if the same thing happens? You can. You do that. You create another miniature portal and you try to put your hand in and touch it and you reach out and it does, it feels solid. Hmm. Hmm. You feeling all right, Danny? Hey, come here. And then (laughs) Danny will gesture victory over. Um, and we at that point at the portal, please punch this. Alex does. So you punch it and you do a good job. It is a good punch. If it were a wall, you're pretty confident there would at least be a mark, like a dent or something like that. But there is nothing. It feels like punching a wall full force, but there's nothing to show for your efforts. There's no give. Huh. All right. Guess I didn't stretch this morning. No, no. That makes sense. Danny will start stroking a goatee that is not there. He doesn't just spontaneously manifest a magenta goatee. Absolutely. Danny hates facial hair. Fair. <laughs> Hmm. Danny was going to try and create another portal to 
a separate location nearby to the local. Uh, there's a powers holding facility in town, right? Yes, there are a good deal of powers holding facilities in province. Cool. That's what I, I assumed. Um, one, because he would have been mapping the area as exploring his new surroundings. Can he open one that would be like several blocks away and try it again? Yes. You do that. You create another portal. This time, you can tell even before you get close to it that it worked. They got that shit locked down. This is new. Like, Danny has never had his magic shut down like this. Like, even in the future, magic is kind of a free-flowing thing where people wouldn't necessarily have guards built like this. So he hates it. Inconsiderate. It's rude. (laughs) Danny is, like, legitimately, like, very upset, but will open another portal to his left, reach in as if he is robbing the nearby Dick's Sporting Goods, and pull out a pair of binoculars. Danny. Yes? What are you doing? I, I, I will put them back. Eventually. <laughs> and then Danny will use them to see, to look through the portal to see if, if it's just a power blocker or if there is something happening like at these locations, like a, like a hard light prison thing or something. Fair enough. And I can assess the situation again if you'd like me to. I don't think you need to roll for that. You already rolled. It's fine. Is Danny just leaning into my friend's theory that he's actually a klepto? (laughs) The problem with it is that Danny does not know if he will need these things again, so he doesn't feel comfortable giving them back right away. The only things he considers his are the katana and the car seat. The katana because it was a gift, and the car seat because he thinks he brought it with him. He didn't, but he thinks he did. It's family. (laughs) That car seat's family. Yeah, it is. (laughs) Our patriarch. Papa car seat. Anyway... The portal that you created opens in a public park in province, and you startle a couple that was clearly on a date, sitting on a bench, sort of nearby. So this Hmm. magenta portal opens, you immediately hear exclamations. As you open your other portal and reach in and grab the binoculars, when you turn back to the first portal, you can see these two individuals in their mid-twenties, just sort of like peeking around the edges of the portal and like looking in it. Good evening. Afternoon. Uh, Don't mind us. And they leave. (laughs) Quickly. We won't. (laughs) (laughs) They seem like a nice couple. I hope it works out for them. With your binoculars, you can peer through the portal. You're not actually stepping through, right? You're just using the binoculars through the portal? Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm trying to see if there's a way to expedite the discovery process. Although, conceivably, we could check the local news. I feel like a big glass spire appearing somewhere would be reported. Does Danny just say that as we're in the middle of doing yes. all of this? Yes, but Danny says that out loud like someone could choir while I'm doing this. But you'd need a phone for that. I was going to say Kaz would just take out his phone and start typing. Yeah, you can absolutely do that. You go looking for news stories about this glass spire and you find a news article from the Province Star website that does discuss the spire in question. It is one of those news articles that is in quotation marks because it's mostly like a blurb. It's mostly just to say, Mm -hmm. this is the thing that happened. This is where it is. We haven't had time to write a story about it yet. The article does tell you that this was created in the neighborhood of Harbor Heights. And so Kaz definitely relays that information, lets Danny know it looks like this happened around Harbor Heights and shows the rest of the squad the picture as well so they can see what we're looking at. And Harbor Heights, you said, is a neighborhood in in province? It is, yeah. It's largely a warehouse district. I would say you would know of two 
powers and holding facilities in Harbor Heights. All right, Danny will open a portal to, let's say, the closest one, and then kind of nonchalantly toss the binoculars through another portal that presumably leads to the Dick's Sporting Goods. Maybe. Or maybe they're with Micah's missing katana. They're with that katana. <laughs> In hell. <laughs> okay, you open another portal to Harbor Heights. And like I said, it is a warehouse district. It's also sort of the docks of province. So as you step through, you hear seagulls and you smell province harbor, which is not inherently a nice smell. There's very little around you as you step through, mostly just warehouses and the pathways between them. You don't see any sign of a towering glass spire. Lyra will say, as she looks around and realizes where she is, she'll say, well, this works out if anyone asks. We are here to flip over that container where they're setting up the drug lab I talked about last night. Oh, yeah. Yeah, you busted that Greek meth lab by accident. (laughs) With the euros. (laughs) So convenient that they built their meth lab right next to a euro stand. (laughs) Danny loved it. It was the perfect cover. Until it wasn't. (laughs) Until we showed up. But yeah, so she'll comment that that works out. And then... Looking around further at everyone, she'll say. So, yeah, I guess those are the two things to keep in mind. We are not here on Academy Business, and we are here for a meth lab. If anybody asks, we're here for meth. (laughs) If anybody asks, we're here to knock over a meth lab. (laughs) Sure, that's what I said. (laughs) Yeah, so let's go look for uh, warehouse-labeled powers. Yeah, you would know it's probably unlikely that it would be labeled Powers, Inc., but I will say that after a brief amount of looking you all kind of split up i imagine and you take different parts of this specific warehouse strip you do find a warehouse that while it is not labeled as belonging to powers inc there's a panel right next to the door the display screen on that panel has a screensaver of the powers inc adam logo okay so this is the right area i guess lyra will kind of like back up a little bit from the building more into the shipping containers and the other things around and lay her hands out palms down towards the ground and just pulse out to see if she can feel any kind of a residual glass that might have been left behind and i like try to get a pull yeah you are unleashing your power so roll with freak my freak is a negative one so that's a four you fail. Congratulations. You did. I failed. <laughs> We're so excited for you. <laughs> I might get to grow. Yeah, you get a potential. Yeah, you don't feel you don't feel any glass. You don't feel anything that immediately responds to you reaching out to it. What I will say, your attempt to extend your senses doesn't work. You don't sense anything that you were reaching out to find. But as you are doing so, you see something glittering under a streetlight on the other side of the shipping container lane that you're currently crouched in. I will go scoop it up. You step over to it, you stoop down, you pick it up, and at first you are very confused because it looks like a shard of glass. Even though you didn't sense it, that's what it looks like. But upon further inspection, you realize that this is not glass. If you had to guess, you would guess maybe it's some sort of crystal. I will kind of turn it over in my hands a couple times. And then Lyra's going to show it to the others. 
She's got the two pouches on her waist and she reaches into the one where she keeps all the marbles, the plain glass marbles, and she puts it in there instead of the pocket full of all the street glass that she collects as she roams the city. And that is all you find immediately. You have located the warehouse in question, you're fairly certain, although it is behind what appears to be a very advanced security system. And then you have found that tiny piece. What do we think Powers Inc. could have been holding at the docks of all places that somebody would think was worth stealing? I mean, I know in theory, everything Powers Inc. does is impressive and worth interest, but the docks seems like a lower level priority, doesn't it? Maybe that's just me, but... I mean, I feel like it could be one of two things. Either it's prototypes that they've shelved because they weren't effective or something like that, or they're thinking exactly what you're thinking, who would go here looking for anything and seeing it then as a safer place because it would be less likely to be targeted. Do you think we need to get inside? Well, that that hedges the line about the promise I made about not getting the school involved. Because listen, I try not to be a liar, but I would love to know. We're trying to investigate the tower itself, not necessarily what they were after. Uh, Okay, so if someone else can manipulate glass and they are using it to try to rob Powers, Inc., I cannot stress how badly I want to know everything about that. And so that includes what they wanted to steal. They were probably successful, though. What do you mean? They, they trapped Luminary. So they probably got what they were looking for. Yeah, but if they had something like, I don't know, a list of what was in there, an, an inventory... And we could find that, we could figure out what's missing. Even if it's not gone, that doesn't mean there isn't anything for us to find. And Bethel, I'm I'm just going to throw it out there. You made that promise. I didn't. I also made no promises. Wait. About this specific thing, I made no promises. (laughs) (laughs) Lyra just kind of like sighs again and looks over at everyone and at the building. She says, this place was robbed yesterday. Where is everybody? Yeah, that is weird. Can I roll to assess the situation? Sure. Well, it's superior. It's a flat roll. Seven. That is a success. You get to ask one question, and you get to take plus one while acting on the answers. So what here can I use to blank? What here is the biggest threat? What here is the greatest danger? What here is most vulnerable to me? How best could we end this quickly? I'm sorry, what here is in the greatest danger, not what here is the greatest danger? I guess what here is the biggest threat. Um, Okay, so in trying to ascertain what here is the biggest threat, it would occur to you that Powers, Inc. is incredibly protective and also an enormous operation. So while there is a chance that if you were to bypass the security system and get into the warehouse and look around and maybe find a clue, there is an equal, perhaps even greater chance that everything has already been moved out of this warehouse because it was already hit once and that you'll trip an alarm system for nothing. Lyra will kind of, in realizing this, deflate a little bit in her bottled-up self-righteous frustration and she'll turn to the others and say, I I dragged you all out here for nothing. And I'm sorry. It doesn't have to be nothing. 
it's got to be other leads, right? And there is that meth lab if everything else fails. Oh, yeah, no, I feel like we definitely knock over that meth lab on the way. Like, I mean, it's convenient, but there's got to be other leads that we can follow up on, right? There's got to be something. I just... Let me, let me, here, and we're sure this is the facility where it was, or was there the possibility that it was a different one? I imagine that the news story didn't say that the attack was related to a Powers, Inc. building. I think it was probably more focused on the fact that a glass spire trapped Luminary. This is the only facility that we think it could be based on the current evidence. Okay. Yes. Hmm. I'm sure there's something that I'm not thinking about or not seeing, but it's... I wasted our time to come here. Wait, Victory, like, don't you have, I don't know, X-ray infrared vision or something like that? I've got (laughs) something like that, yeah. Why were you thinking? I mean, couldn't you, like, first of all, check to see if there is anything in the building? Like, did they empty it out? Guess if they didn't, if they didn't line it with lead, yeah, no, I suppose they could do that. And I mean, I don't see any signs saying "don't peek," <laughs> so it's fine. So yeah, that'll hold up in court. So I'm gonna try to X-ray vision the the facility. If they ask us, we're just looking for the meth lab. <laughs> <laughs> okay, roll with superior. All right, so, and, uh, it's a five. That's a fail, bud. Uh, mark of potential. <laughs> yeah, yep. Up to my old tricks. Yep. The warehouse is absolutely <laughs> lined with lead. Of course it is. Uh, come on. They're on to you. However, remind me of what else your, what other senses Alex has access to? So, X-ray vision, infravision, sort of the expanded section of ultraviolet light that, like, bees and shit can see. (laughs) Bees? Bees, yeah, he has bee vision. vision. He can perceive radiation outside of the visible spectrum. Okay. He can perceive, like, gamma rays and shit like that. Alex, as you are cycling through your victory senses to try to find any type of clue about this warehouse. You basically come up blank. There doesn't seem to be anything unusual about it, and it is definitely lined with lead specifically to prevent situations like this. That being said, you do see something. With the spectrum of things you can see, you have always been able to get a sense from everyone's abilities, especially everyone in your squad, but It usually extends beyond that. You having spent so much time with this same group of people means that those are almost second nature to you. And however it manifests, as you try to look at the warehouse and detect nothing, you do see that this general area is saturated in what looks like the same type of signature that Lyra's powers give off. And you haven't seen her use her powers once since you got here. That's, no, that doesn't make any kind of sense. What, do they have something really weird in there? What's wrong? No, 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 they, no, the bastards lined the whole place with lead. (laughs) Oh, they suck. I cannot imagine for what possible reason they would do that. I personally think it's very inconsiderate of them. But no, I noticed something else. It's just, it's, all right, this is going to sound really weird. Bethel, Mm -hmm. you have a particular aura i guess you could call it when you use your powers to me with my victory senses it's got a particular look it's almost like 
it's almost like ultraviolet light kind of bends around you. It's almost kind of like stained glass in a way, I guess. And right now, this place is just covered in it. Looking around this place, it's like looking through cathedral windows. And there's so much of it. There's no way that's coming from you. I, no, I, I, I mean, I, I spend time down here sometimes, but I don't. Unless you were using your powers a lot right here. Like, here's the thing. This looks exactly like it would look if you had made that glass tower, if you had trapped Luminary. And obviously, I'm not saying that you did because, you know, you and I were literally on another continent at that time. But I'm saying, even from a, an extrasensory standpoint, it sure as heck looks like you did. Or at the very least, somebody with an identical set of powers. And I mean identical. And Lyra kind of, as much as you can tell from the very little you can see of her face, which is not a lot, but like her mouth kind of is hanging open as she listens to this and she shifts and she's like taking this in. And then she says kind of softly to herself, it's, it's in the blood in the earth. Sorry, what? It's not, it's not. I told Luminary that this is, something that's existed before historically other people can do this and that's true technically i mean the glass part is very new but there's precedent for this but when i told her that i meant specifically there's precedent in my family for doing that so if you're saying it looks like me but we know it's not me then the it has to come down through the blood, right? It's, it's magic. What I do is magic. In way, way back in, 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 she's kind of rambling now. She's pacing a little bit back and forth between the two towers of shipping containers that we've nestled ourselves in. And she's going back and forth and she's saying, in, historically back in, it was the point of it. The point of it was for farming. It was for earthly movement it's to to rearrange the earth to better manipulate the water and enrich the soil and you know move rocks for ease of building and farming and it's and then magic just went completely away and now it's i i've never been able to do any of that i can't do anything but glass it's still blood so in theory she kind of stops again and looks back at you guys and then back at the building. I didn't think that my sister was still in province. You're, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. You're, you're what? At that moment, as you're starting to sort of unravel without really any thought to what you're saying, your phone chimes. She looks down and she fumbles for a minute trying to remember where she puts her phone and then she reaches down into and unlaces her boot a little bit reaches down into it and she pulls the phone out there's a text message there from your mother and whatever your family's code for family emergency is that is what you have just received 
the family emergency message is probably just home. It's just the word home. So she gets this text and she reads it and it kind of like soft reboots her out of her current spiral immediately like into a different spiral, like just cascading down from the immediate into the secondary. And she quickly shoves the phone back into her boot and she's pulling the laces tight again. And she's like, I have to go. I, I have to leave. Wait, no, hang on. Bethel, no, wait, we need to talk about this. I, yes, I, I understand, but I, I have to go. I, something's wrong. This is very wrong. Something is wrong. That, yes, obviously. Then let, let us help you. Where do you need to go? Well, that's an interesting thing, because I'm pretty sure what is this? I think this falls into our, uh, I refuse to tell Danny my secret identity when they ask. So I think probably this is the hard line incidents where Bethel just flat out refuses to say. She's just like, no, I can't. that I definitely can't tell you right now. I just, I, I am sorry. I am so sorry, but I... Danny will open a portal and be like, this at least goes to a bus stop. She's going to nod and she's going to look at the other three of you and she's going to say, I, I need to know what's happening first, but I promise I'm going to tell you at least about this. And to prove it, because she knows that this is like an absolutely horrible thing, considering she dragged them all out here for this and everything, she's going to go back into the pocket where that piece of crystal is, and she's going to give it to Alex. She's like, I mean it. I I will tell you what I was going to tell you, but I I can't. I have to go. Okay, I mean, Bethel, just, you know, keep us posted. Like, send us an SOS if you need help or anything. Does Alex take the crystal from her. Yes, yes, okay. Alex takes the crystal, yeah. yeah. She knows she just asked a lot of them, but she's got to leave, and she will hop through the portal. You step through the portal, and I'm going to say that under normal circumstances, this might even make you a little bit suspicious, but this seemingly random bus stop that Danny Carsey opened the portal to happens to be the one in Willow Hills, just a few blocks away from your house. If she was not so infinitely freaked out that might matter but she's gotta run back home she's gonna have to stop into the little shed that's in like the back where she keeps a hidden spare set of clothes and change before she goes into the house she leaves the others behind in this warehouse district with nothing but her own problems so um that was a thing so, uh, I guess who wants to go bust up this meth lab? I think that sounds good. I would very much like to put hurt on some people. We will circle back to that. <laughs> Your adventures mm-hmm. in the meth lab. <laughs> <laughs> Knock over the meth lab. Lyra, you've stopped and you have changed very hastily. Maybe even not bothering to like remove every element of your costume. Just like covering up as much as you possibly can out of expediency's sake. You sprint home and up the front steps to your house, the first thing you hear is laughter and people talking, and you smell food, which is unmistakably your mom's cooking. Just softly to herself, she's just like, what the fuck? What the fuck? What the fuck? What are you doing? <laughs> she takes like two steps in, and she like closes the door hard so that it's like heard, and she goes, hello? 
Mama? Your mom answers you. She says, oh, Lyra, is that you? Yeah, I got, I, I got your text. You're finally home. We're in the dining room. I'm going to come on down. I'm walking with the utmost caution here. You walk into the dining room, which in your house means either passing through the living room or the kitchen. We've established your house has a lot of mementos and pictures on the walls and things too. And as you round the corner from the living room and enter the dining room, which your family probably almost never actually uses just because there's so many of you and you're constantly coming and going, it's hard to get everybody to sit down for a meal at the same time. But as you walk into the dining room, gather around the table, you do see your mother and your father. You also see Marcus and Eric, your brothers. Your grandparents are also sitting there. And there are two people sitting at the table with their backs to you when you first walk in. Your mom immediately like half rises from the table and she is beaming, but her eyes are a little bit red. Like you can tell that she has been crying and she stands up as you enter. She beckons you over and she says, Lyra, we're so happy that you're home. This is such a good day now. She starts crying again as she comes over to you and she grabs you by the arms and, and she's still smiling and she pulls you in a little bit closer and she says, it's been such a long time since I dared to hope for a miracle or even pray, but that is exactly what has happened. And one of the people who's, one of the people seated at the table with their backs to you stands up and turns around. Even though it's been a while, you recognize your sister. She looks well. She's wearing a long skirt very flowy, and she has just a sort of a simple like white shirt with a cardigan buttoned over it. She smiles at you almost just as widely as your mom does and walks over to you. She takes your hands from your mom and then pulls you in for a hug. She is incredibly awkward about it. She's hoping it comes off as regular surprise, but she is very on edge, and she's hoping it's people will just wave it away is the fact that like oh i was six when i saw you last nina wraps her arms around you pulls you in very tight squeezes you a little bit and says i barely recognize you it has been so long you've grown so much yeah i i i didn't i didn't know you were still alive honestly i it's been what happened nina i almost wasn't there were plenty of times I thought I was going to die before I ever saw my family again, too. Honestly, I, I don't know where I would be if it wasn't for Glenn. And she looks back at the other person sitting at the table, and he stands up. He'd kind of like half turned around to like watch everything, but you were very distracted, and you didn't really get a good look at him or even really notice that he was there. And he stands up. He's a little bit over six feet tall, maybe like just a hair. He is wearing a gray button-down, black slacks. He's not particularly fit, but he is built very lean, seems sort of naturally. And he just has very plain brown hair that is parted to one side. Uh, he's clean-shaven. He looks very put together. And he has glasses, like black, thick-framed glasses. He also smiles uh, a little bit less outrageously than like your mom and your sister but still seems very happy to meet you. And as he stands up, Nina lets go of you and moves next to him. She puts an arm around his waist and she says, Glenn, 
saved me. What do you, what do you mean? What do you mean? I don't... It's been... It's been a very long time. I'm sorry. And she looks around at the rest of her family, like, trying to see if anyone else finds us just as crazy as she does. And she's like, it's... I was six and I didn't even know why you left. So I don't... Looking around the table, your brothers don't look 100% sold on this. But your father and your mom look very happy. Your grandparents also look very happy. Your brothers are cautiously happy. But you trade a, a look of mutual recognition of how weird this is. Okay. As long as I got my brothers, I'm like... Nina says... Oh, Lyra, I don't... Of course you don't know. I'm glad they didn't tell you. I couldn't stay here because of... Because of what was wrong with me. I was sick. I was cursed. Cursed? I could do unnatural things. Things I I had never asked for. Things I never wanted to do. But our, our parents did the best they could. And she looks back at your parents. Your mom's like wiping at her eyes with with a napkin and she turns back to you and she says, but, but Glenn cured me. He's a doctor. He fixed what was, what was wrong with me, with, with my blood. So you're not sick anymore? No, I'm, I'm normal. Finally. And Glenn laughs just a little bit. He puts his arm around her shoulders and he, he pulls her in tight and he squeezes and he, he leans over and he like kisses the top of her head and he says, she is giving me way too much credit. Honestly, it, it wasn't that complicated. It just came down to isolating the correct DNA sequence and then correcting for it. When did you get back? They exchange a look with each other and she says, just a few days ago. I would have called ahead, but I didn't... Well, I wasn't sure... I wasn't sure how anyone would react considering the state I was in when I left. I wanted to surprise them to show them that I was better first. And Lyra will kind of like swallow very hard because all of her instincts inside are just like Kill Bill sirens. (laughs) (laughs) And she'll just like smile and nod and hope that the stress comes off as strange relief and she will give her another hug and be like, well, I'm glad you're home. I'm so looking forward to catching up. It's been so long. You have so much to fill me in on. Mm-hmm. I'm sure we'll hear all about it. If you'll excuse me, I just, I have to go upstairs and change. I was with friends. Excuse me. And she's gonna... As you are excusing yourself, Glenn nudges Nina and says, Sweetie, didn't you want to give her your gift? Nina's like, oh my god, I, I completely forgot. I'm so sorry. Lyra, I... I I brought you something. I, I wasn't sure you'd remember me, and I didn't want to. I was hoping. Well, here you go. And she pulls out of her pocket a little bracelet that looks handmade. It has little glass beads on it in many different colors. And she holds it out to you. And she says, I, I hope you like it. It's kind of my hobby. Lyra will reach out and take it. Thank you. It's, I like the colors. I'm so glad. She's gonna go up to her room to take off. Yeah, your mom will call after you as you excuse yourself and she'll say, you wash up and then you come back down. I'll be right there, mama. I just wanna, just let me change. And she's like half taking off 
the rest of the uniform that was still on under it. And then she gets out the phone and she texts the group chat and she's just going to go, <laughs> she's going to text back and she's like, there is a problem. And just, that's all she sends. Well, no, she sends there is a problem. And then she follows up with, I'm coming back tomorrow. There's probably like a minute and a half of time between those because she realizes like after the fact, she's like, oh, that sounded really bad. Hold on. Well, given the timeline, you probably don't even notice these text messages for a while because you're too busy fighting meth dealers. That's a valid point. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then Lyra realizes, oh, I should probably follow up on that yeah. before Alex literally just Kool-Aid bands <laughs> through my kitchen <laughs> like, wall. Oh, I should probably fix that before somebody traces <laughs> my fucking phone number. I'm going to say that mid-fight, the three of you are in the meth lab. And Alex, you were just in the middle of mm-hmm. busting skulls left and right. Yeah, I am literally slowly walking into yeah. automatic weapons fire. Kaz, what are you doing in this altercation? You know, it's probably a mixture of things. I think now that Kaz has gotten a taste for breaking bones, there's probably some <laughs> some broken legs happening here. Uh, probably some monstrosities that he's created that are like pinning people down. <laughs> Um, yeah, I think that's where he's at at this point. Truly awful. And Danny, what is your contribution? Danny is using portals to knock people off balance by just like suddenly making their feet fall. And when they happens, as they drop their weapons, he is teleporting them away from the battlefield. You have a guy by the front of his shirt, Victory, and you've just like hit him once. And then you're going to hit him a second time. And in the middle of winding up to hit him the second time, you hear a voice projecting from your pocket that says, Victory, there is a potential problem. <laughs> Just say... Oh, hang on, I gotta, I gotta get this. Don't go anywhere. As you reach for it, the voice comes back on and says, Never mind, it's fine. <laughs> <laughs> no! He drops unconscious, you finish breaking up the meth lab. There are, I think in this case, your efforts and the commotion raised by it, you've attracted some reporters. There's one news crew outside, a very beleaguered looking, sleepy gentleman in a like rumpled shirt standing there with it with one cameraman. You don't see a news van, they clearly came in like his car, uh, but the microphone is branded for the news station and he takes the opportunity to ask you all some questions. He asks you who you are, what you're called, are you a new team, all of that stuff. It's kind of your first interview. Do you say Squad H? Well, uh, so we are workshopping some names right now, but I guess technically right now our classification is Squad H. Can go on the record with that. We are just honestly, all of us just really looking forward to doing what we can to help protect our city, protect our kids. Just keeping this junk off the street. <laughs> Throwing up the victory sign. You throw up the pose. God bless. The interviewer turns to the cameraman and says, Jeff, get a close-up of that. That's great. I love that. And then holds a microphone up to his face and says, so are, are you the leader? And then holds it back out to you, victory. Um, well, so here in Squad H, we have kind of a, a diffused leadership structure. It's more of a democracy. You know, just like this great nation. <laughs> you hear Danny behind you go, <laughs> Make the choice. And do you think that'll hurt you <laughs> in the long run mechanically, given that one of the core mechanics of this system is knowing who the leader is? 
<laughs> no, I don't because, you know, hey, uh, the option always exists uh, in this, our very democratic team, for us to elect someone to make executive decisions on our behalf in order to properly facilitate that mechanical advantage. Excellent question, Mike. Next. You get a couple more questions. Kaz, I'm assuming you were trying to stay out of the spotlight. I think so. Yeah, I think he is trying to stay sort of background as much as he can. And frankly, Alex is perfectly willing to facilitate that because honestly, Alex is being a bit of a glory hog in this moment. Anytime that the, the cameras threaten to focus in on Kaz or Danny, Alex will find a way to interpose himself in front of them. It helps that you are very big. <laughs> Why can't Danny be on camera? <laughs> well, in Kaz's case, Alex is doing him a favor. Uh, in Danny's case, it's just because Alex is legitimately being kind of a glory hog. They don't seem to pay Kaz any mind, probably because you're not wearing a costume exactly. So you get kind of the sense that like they don't really know if they should be interviewing you or not. Like if you're just a regular person walking by or something like that, then they're not going to put a microphone in your hand because you could say anything. That's fair. But I mean, Danny, if you want to be on camera. <laughs> yeah. Hey, if Danny wants to teleport in front of a camera, that is uh, absolutely uh, something that could happen. It's it's kind of a um, Mike Wazowski situation where Danny is just excited to be on camera, but doesn't really have anything to say. Like I'm like sneaking behind, <laughs> kind of rising out of the abyss. The actual picture that makes it into the paper is of Alex doing the pose, but also Danny's kind of like peeking up over the shoulder. Also doing the pose. Yeah. <laughs> I was picturing a moment where you like portal in a, a big like poster board sign that says, are you my dad? Call Danny. <laughs> That's my boy. <laughs> no number or anything. Just call Danny. <laughs> nope. Just call Danny. They ask you a few questions. It's not a long interview. It's not in depth either. And after it's over, Mike, the newsman's enthusiasm almost instantly evaporates. <laughs> he just looks very tired and he pulls out a pack of cigarettes, puts one in his mouth, lights it up. All right, Jeff, pack it in. Let's get moving. And before they leave, he turns to you, Victory. And he says, you want my advice, kid? Sure. Three's a bad number. Get one more. And Squad Age is a terrible name. <laughs> <laughs> you know, hey, I'll, I'll put that to the, to the committee. <laughs> yeah, thanks, man. All right, let's go. And they get in the car and they drive off. So Alex will turn together too and just go, oh, thank God that's over. And then we'll immediately pull out his phone, bring up choir, and start posing for the camera to say... Hey, it's your boy, Victory. Hey, coming at you with a busted up meth lab and start taking. Danny Im immediately hates this. Danny leaves. The second you start, just gone. I was going to say, Kaz is just like backing away as much as he can. And it's just like, I'm not, I'm not being no. a part of this. Kaz and Danny go to dinner and leave Alex to his choices. Yeah. <laughs> Let's go to Danny's. Sounds good. Pancakes. Yeah, breakfast. For, obviously, for copyright reasons, there is no Denny's in our world, but there is Jenny's, which is very <laughs> close. Jenny's. Let's go to Jenny's. Get some yeah. crepes. That's right. Yeah. Perfect. You can get crepes at Jenny's. They're not good crepes, but they are technically crepes. God bless. Danny just needs a lot of calories for his powers. The important thing is that you can get those crepes 24 hours a day. Exactly. That's what matters. And they come in sweet and savory. <laughs> 
you go to Jenny's, you go to a Jenny's, there are a million of them. Victor, are you catching up with them or are you calling it a night after that? He will catch up with them after he has taken a sufficiency of selfies to shot up a couple of reels to choir. And you... I hate all this. It's delightful. You show up to the diner a little bit after your squad mates. Are you doing anything about the texts that Lyra sent you? Once the fight is over and you finish taking your choirs, Magil will chime in mm-hmm. from your phone and will say, Alex, if you're done maintaining your social media presence, would you like to know about the messages that you received? Yes, Magil. I'm so sorry. Please put them through. Your teammate Bethel texted you and said, we have a problem, which I thought was ominous. But then mm. she texted and said she would see you tomorrow, mm. which seemed less urgent. Well, <laughs> in this case, Magil, I trust your judgment. That was ominous. I would continue to flag any messages like that as ominous in the future. In fact, make a folder. Make a folder for ominous messages <laughs> and feel free to auto-forward any of those to that folder. But I also trust Bethel's judgment. So I'm assuming I will see her tomorrow. And if I don't, well, then I'm going to break some things. I appreciate that feedback. I am always learning. (laughs) This is something we have in common. (laughs) We'll jump to Jenny's. Maybe about 30 minutes later, you have a corner booth. There is an assortment of crepes, both savory and sweet, laid out across the table. I imagine Danny is eating most of them. There's also an abundance of coffee. It's not good coffee, but it is strong. Alex has, has in fact, uh, commandeered an entire carafe for himself and is just drinking directly out of it. Danny is having a lemonade. And I imagine you're about halfway through the carafe when you remember the texts, Alex. So, yeah. Um, Bethel's messages. Yeah, that, that was kind of unsettling, but... She seemed to say everything was not dire. Like I said, I said I was going to back her play and uh, gonna keep doing that. I trust that we will see her tomorrow. Um, I'm going to have some questions, but um, they can wait until tomorrow. And uh, like, I said, like I told Magil, if we don't, if that's wrong, then I guess we got uh, some more places to go and bust up. Danny is eating and just nodding along. Danny, if if we needed to, like, could you just open a portal right to Bethel? Danny thinks about it, and then looking down at the table says, no. All right, good information to have. As you have this exchange, you hear somebody say, excuse me, I'm so sorry. And you look up, all of you, to see a woman. She is maybe a few years older than you. She looks roughly college age. Um, she has, she's wearing glasses and all black. She has a couple tattoos. She's holding her halo phone in her hands a little bit nervously. And she says, I'm so sorry to bother you. Are you victory? Alec just kind of turns around in the booth and just kind of flashes the V. Oh God. I know this is so, this is so embarrassing. I never do this, but could I take a picture with you? Absolutely. And she like, bends down a little bit, gets in the frame with you doing the V pose and your arm up on the booth and then like takes the picture with her phone and looks at it and nods to herself and says, that, yeah, this is really great. Thank you so much. Uh, I'm, I'm so sorry. I, I never do this, but I just saw, it's so crazy. I was sitting over there and I just saw you on choir and 
uh, then you were sitting right here. So I just like had to. I totally understand. Hey, and honestly, it's always great to meet a fan um, and a citizen. Danny, just in the corner, you just hear Danny go, we're all citizens. <laughs> <laughs> is, is Danny a citizen? <laughs> yeah. Danny is not. But, but Danny, Danny doesn't care about, I mean, technically Danny will be a citizen. So uh, He's a citizen of the world. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus. The woman says, yeah, well, uh, I think I've embarrassed myself enough. So uh, good night. Thanks again. And we'll just like scamper off. And I think we will cut from there back to the Krull household. Larry, you have just finished changing out of your costume and safely stashing it away. You've, you know, combed your hair and done what you can to make yourself look a little bit less like you were investigating crime down at the docks 30 minutes ago. And as you are folding the lower half of your costume to put away in the pocket you in the pocket you find the bracelet that nina made for you that you had stashed there before you ran upstairs you're kind of just turning it over and over in your hands examining it and as you're looking at it and you bring it a little bit closer so you can examine it more closely you realize that you were wrong at first fuck see you thought that these were glass beads when you first looked at them but now that you get a better look at them They look like they're made out of something else. Possibly... Crystal? You know, I really do wonder how Luminary is going to react when Bethel brings her that crystal and explains that she probably fought her sister, which she's definitely going to do. Right? Right? Thank you so much for joining us for another episode of Academy H. This game could not happen without your continued support, listening, following us on Twitch, coming to streams, donating to the causes that we are platforming. We appreciate you so much for letting us continue this very important and very rewarding work. If you'd like to keep up with us and what we're up to, you can follow us on Twitter at Live from the Apoc, Instagram and TikTok at Live from the Apocalypse, or join our Discord community, which will be linked in the description down below. And if you enjoyed what you heard today, feel free to give us a good rating and follow us on your podcatcher of choice. Leave a review if you're so inclined, as long as it's a good one. It really does help us out so much. The donation link to our Surfrider Foundation campaign can also be found in the description if you'd like to help us out with crossing the finish line and meeting our goal. Join us for the live recordings of Academy H every other Sunday or any of our four other ongoing live-streamed campaigns that happen throughout the week over at twitch.tv slash livefromtheapocalypse. And once again, nothing we do would be possible without your support, and we appreciate you so, so much. We'll see you next week. Have a good one. Okay, you're back.
Anytime I try to do something seriously, my computer's like, no. The internet's like, absolutely not. It's probably because we're not making enough piss jokes. <laughs> I will not. I'm, how dare you? <laughs>